And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Okay, cool. Hey, Tony Gaffison with the Brave Maker Podcast. This is the uh, second episode recorded from the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco with Hamilton actor Rick Negron. Negron, yes. Negron. I, I like a little accent there. Yeah, once I got in an a while. accent on the O on the last syllable there. All right. Okay, cool. So Rick plays the king, which is such a great. King Great George part. the Third. How fun. And the little body movements that you get to do, <laughs> the little wiggles. And you know, that's choreography, and it's in every, every king does it. Yeah, it's not, I, it's, I don't have that trademark. You got a little flair. A little, I saw it in New York, too. They're, they're different. Oh, everybody's different. Right? Everyone's yeah. different. They, they give you liberty to do your own thing, yeah, which is great. So let's talk about how, so we have this question, how'd you brave your way in this amazing and wonderful wow. and crazy industry. My, my road to Hamilton has been a long one because uh-huh. uh, I, I, I was a dancer back in the 80s. So uh, I started out as like singer, you know, a gypsy chorus guy, you know, singer, actor, dancer. And um, in the 80s, a lot of the dancers that I worked with back, back then are big time choreographers. Matter of fact, the choreographer of Hamilton, Andy Blankenbuehler, he and I were danced together uh, in New York back in the day. So we've known each other a really long time. Anyway, long story short, I'm living in L.A. Uh, in 2005 and an, an old dancer friend of mine, Sergio Trujillo, who's Tony Award winning choreographer of uh, Ain't Too Proud. He's done a t- ton of shows on Broadway. And uh, he called me and he said, listen, I'm working on this workshop of In the Heights. This young guy, man, you got to hear the music. It's amazing. So he sends me the CD. It's 2005, right? Before he could email me the MP3 in those days. I don't think they did that. He sends me the CD. I listened to it. And I thought, this is amazing. This music is amazing. It's all like hip hop, rap, Latino music. It's so good. And who's this kid, Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and next thing you know, um, I say yes to this workshop, no money, out in New London, Connecticut at the O'Neill Center, which is a great place where shows get workshopped. At that point, he had been working on the, In the Heights. It was his college project, and he had been working on it for a while, and he had gotten um, the producers of Rent involved, Jeffrey Seller, and uh, Kevin, Kevin McKenzie. McKenzie? I might be getting Kevin's McCollum. Kevin McCollum. They were the, the producers of Rent. They also did Avenue Q and a couple of other shows. And they did In the Heights together. And so they had seen a workshop of it and said, you know, we really got to get this show ready. So we, we suggest you take it to the O'Neill Center in the summer and work on it there with the entire creative team. And it was, at that point, Andy Blankenbuehler wasn't on uh, the choreographer was Sergio Trujillo, but Sergio had other projects. Andy got brought in, but that's when I met Alex Lacamoire, 
uh, Tommy Kale, Thomas Kale, who's our director of Hamilton and Lin Manuel. Wow. And uh, and I met them so back fifteen years ago. Exactly. And then I fell in love with that project. I went on to do other shows. I was li- living in L.A. and I, I was doing Mamma Mia in Vegas. And they're like, well, "Hey, Heights is going on to Broadway." And I missed out on the Broadway thing uh, initially um, because you're already booked somewhere else. Well, actually, I did audition, but they decided that I, w- I looked too young to play the dad. Ah. And they had already hired some uh, 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 of well-known Priscilla Lopez well-known actress, uh, Broadway Tony Award-winning actress, to play the, 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 the wife, the mother and of, of one of the lead actors. Anyway, they're the main couple. And they hired actually a friend of mine, a great actor, uh, Carlos Gomez, uh, to, to do the show. But um, about eight or nine months into it, Carlos lost his voice. And um, they had to replace him. He, he's, he really had was struggling vocally, mm. and so I got brought in because wow. I was, you know, I was part of the family. Yeah. And next thing you yeah. know, I I played that role on Broadway for two years. That's amazing. And I and I even got to do when they took the national tour to Puerto Rico with Lin Manuel. I went and did in the Heights in Puerto Rico with Lin Manuel at at the center, uh, you know, the Performing Arts Center in San Juan. I'm from Puerto Rico. That's beautiful. I was born Full and ra- circle. Born and raised in Puerto Rico to go back home. How cool. And it was a whole thing that they worked out because I was the Broadway guy and the national tour guy was going to do Puerto Rico. But I said, hey, listen, my parents are older. And uh, they is your family still there? My, my dad's passed. My, okay. mom, my mom is, you know, uh, still alive, but in assisted living. Okay. She's not doing great. Oh. But at that time, they couldn't travel. So I swapped with the guy on, on tour. <laughs> And he got to do the Broadway company for a week, and I got to do Puerto Rico for a oh, week. Oh, that's so cool. And it was a really cool thing that our producer, Jeffrey Seller, uh-huh. and Lin-Manuel worked out for now, Didn't me. you also do Hamilton in Puerto Rico? Well, that's, that's, <laughs> this is the long road yeah. to Hamilton, is that I, I do In the Heights with him. He's working on Hamilton back when we were doing Heights on Broadway. He did that whole thing at the White House for Obama. Uh, with, with, he only had that fr- one song at that point. And then years later, um, hmm. I go back to L.A. after Heights closes on Broadway, and, um, and I stay in touch with the gang. And I happened to be in New York when Hamilton uh, was in previews on Broadway. And I saw the show, and I went, oh, this is going to be massive. I mean, everybody, the buzz off Broadway at the public theater was enormous. Everybody knew it was going to be a huge hit. But when I saw it on Broadway at my old theater where I did in the Heights at the at the Richard Rogers, I thought, "Oh, this is great! I got to get in oh, somehow." And I, you know, and, and being uh-huh. a little bit older and you know, Puerto Rican, but I look very white. I thought, God, really, the only roles that are right for me are the king yeah. or George Washington, uh-huh. which are usually the two roles that they they hire older actors for. Everybody else is pretty much hired young, but. Ethnicity doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This, this show is like ethnically, and that's open. what it's known for, exactly. which is such it's, a beautiful it's the, thing. It's it's the the one, well, not one, but one of the genius things about this show yep. is that any and they have uh, under black Asian uh, mm-hmm. uh, understudies for the king. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the king who is predominantly played by a white guy. You got a Puerto Rican playing mm-hmm. a king uh-huh. now, and um, you know, and and there's been understudies uh, for the king that have gone on to, you know, that are uh, black actors and Asian actors and actors of all, all colors. Um, but yeah, the the wonderful thing is that I got in touch with the whole team and I said I really want to get involved with the show somehow. They were already working on a couple of national tours. The show was a huge hit, and it took a while. 
I did audition many times. You auditioned for Hamilton many times? Oh, many times. Wow. And it okay. took a while because I think they had a long list of people that really wanted to sure. do the show. And I'm glad it took a while because I didn't get into the first national or the second national tour. But I did get into th- this tour, uh-huh. which is, I think, serendipity because this is the tour that went to Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. And this is called the Ampeggy Tour, is that exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Every and, tour has a different name. Yeah. And I think they kind of thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to take Rick, the native-born Puerto Rican kid, to play the king in Puerto Rico? I mean, that'd be amazing. It was a little bit of a, a marketing genius on their part. That's, and it benefited and, you. I oh, mean, my how, God. Are you how kidding important me? My, and historic. My family, my friends. Sure. I went to high school down there. I, I, I You know, it was... Literally, the theater where we played Hamilton in Puerto Rico was four blocks from the hospital where I was born. Wow! And so it was. Did yeah. you ever? Did you ever cry? Did you ever just get there and just oh. like emote? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. A resounding it, yes. A resounding yes. Even like seven blocks away, my grandfather had built a building in in that area of of San Juan, mm. and I walked down to see the the house that you know I lived in when I was a kid. You know, which was wow. walking distance from the theater. That's so memorable. <laughs> so what an cool. awesome! And awesome I went back moment. to my my old high school and middle school, and I talked to the kids, and they were like, "Oh my god, the king from Hamilton's uh-huh. here!" He did, and he went to school here. Did you get to come show up in costume? No, oh, they don't let that costume leave the theater. Oh, baby. Co- dude, all the costumes are so amazing. That costume but, is well, like wow. That seriously, costume is it's something pure silk. Pure red silk, red, and then it's it's got this incredible gold brocade, on, you know, on all the on all, and the buttons are custom; they're handmade buttons that are weaved with gold. I mean, it's just, I mean, not actual gold, but gold thread. Um, but those costumes are couture; they're made handmade on my body, and they're made to last. My costume will probably last years. And uh, yeah, it's th- that thing will never leave the theater. Neither will the crown. <laughs> that crown too, and your staff, right? I oh mean, yeah, all just, of it. All gosh, of it is, is so incredible. We'll post pictures that we already did on social media. The press approved ones, but they're pretty. And phenomenal. everybody, by the way, the first question they ask me is, "How heavy is the crown?" You know, they always ask how heavy the crown is. Apparently, the first crown on Broadway was about five pounds, but this crown, they, it, it, that's heavy. To have a piece of hardware Five on your pounds head. on your Five head. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think what they did is that any metal that was in there, they got rid of it. And the whole thing is made from a fiberglass flame f- mm. frame. So it's fiberglass with, you know, then they add these fake jewels and, and you know, gold paint. And, all, you know, it looks incredibly real. Even up close. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. And it's so only, legit. And it's only like two, two and a half pounds. Okay. <laughs> they shaved off. <laughs> yeah. They shaved off like three pounds, which is amazing. And, the, and, the, and I also have my microphone pack is inside the crown. So they actually is rigged it? It, the, the pack is in, under, on top of my head, uh-huh. you know, inside the crown. And then they rigged the, the actual mic right okay, to yeah. the, the front of the crown, which is perfect for sound. That's awesome. Yeah, if you look real close, you can see it looks like like a lot of people have their mics through their hair or yes. something, right? Yeah, a lot of people. For a lot of people, you see the mic because the perfect position is right there at the top of your forehead. Okay. And if you cheat it up into your hair to hide it, mm-hmm. then the sound isn't as good. Mm-hmm. And the sound man, the, the sound people prefer even that you can see it a little bit, or the people that have it on their ear, it's still visible. But to have, it's better to have it in the right place and have great sound. Sure than to try to hide it and have terrible sound. Yeah, it's not too distracting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah it really isn't. And the crown, luckily, 
uh, on the on the rim, it's it's a fake ermine, which is that white fur with little black dots. So my little black dot of a microphone kind of ah, blends camouflages right in. Right yeah, in. It's, it's so perfect. Rick, when yeah. I was in, so I got to come backstage here when mm. Simon Longnight was uh, oh, a cast member. Yes. He toured me oh, around. A wonderful Lafayette Great Jefferson. Great guy. He's who, going who, to L.A. now. As you know. Which yes. <laughs> how does that feel for you that it's going to be in L.A.? By the way, so Rick just flew back from home. He lives in L.A. I so you, do. So eight shows a week. There's a matinee on Sunday at one or two. One o'clock. So one o'clock ends around three-ish. Four. Four. I mean, 3.50. Okay, you jump on a plane at what, six? 620. 620. That's my <laughs> that's my flight. To LAX or Burbank? <laughs> Burbank. Okay, where do you live in LA? So I, I fly I fly Oakland because it has more flights oh, to Burbank. Oakland, okay. I, go okay. To, I take BART to Oakland and uh-huh. I fly o- Oakland to Burbank and I live 15 minutes from Burbank. Okay, so you land like around 7.30. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm home for dinner. 7.30 on a Sunday night and uh-huh. then you come back on Tuesday at? Afternoon. 3 o'clock flight, get here around 5, yeah. Wild. And is your wife in the industry? She used to be. Um, okay. But uh, right around the time we got married, she... Um, went for her second love, which was interior design, and she's been an oh, interior cool. designer. That's the way. arts, right? It's a part oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. And she's amazing at what she does. And I have a beautiful home that she totally, you know, redid and got into some magazines, and she she has some celebrity uh, clients, and she, she does really well, which is why she's not up here. She's got her own business. So how do you well. work that? So how do you work with we your... Don't ha- we don't have kids, okay. which helps. Um, you know, we have dogs. <laughs> and it's tough on a, a relationship to have sure. you know, that long distance thing. Um, matter of fact, when I did Heights, she moved out to New York so we could be together for the two years I was doing Heights, which is an amazing thing. Yep. So when, I went, when we went back to L.A. after Heights, I decided, okay, I'm going to stop traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop taking anything that takes me out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, short-term things, you know, a week or two, but nothing long-term. So it, it, I took a break from any kind of touring from 2011 to 2018 mm-hmm. when I started Hamilton. And then I said, you know what, this is a really great opportunity, hon. And she's like, yeah, I get it. You're going to go to Puerto Rico. You're going to be in San Francisco, which would be close enough. And at that point, we were hoping that I would get the L.A. company. And yeah, so how, so they just well. What happened was that um, there were everybody wanted to do the LA company, Did they? Okay. And, and we have a lot of people with five companies that we have throughout the U.S. There's a lot of people that have been in Hamilton for a while, and literally the the person that got the LA company was the guy that did the. Uh, he was one of the first. Um, to uh, take over on Broadway, and he also did the first national tour, the incredible uh, Rory O'Malley, okay. uh, Tony Award winner. So they gave it to the guy who's been in the company longer, and I totally get it. He's, yeah. he's a great king. What he's, a good attitude and good sport. That's tough. because well, He came <laughs> to see us here in San Francisco, he? and okay. I met him opening night, and he couldn't have been sweeter and more more lovely. Right on. And, uh, and he lives in L.A. with his partner, and they have a baby. So it's like, okay, it's... It's all good. Yeah. You know, I love that our producers are, are loyal that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the guy that's been with the company longer got the, got the, got the gig. It seems like we, uh, on our last podcast, Brandon Louie Armstrong, who was on it, talked a lot about there's a familial feel. And in the theater, it's just a thing that comes with the territory. It's this tribal connection, and we're yeah. rooting for each other. We're but there's something with special each other. at Hamilton. And it really comes down from, it comes down from the top. It comes from our producer, Jeffrey Seller, and from Lin-Manuel, and from our director, uh, Thomas Kale, and, and our musical director, uh, Alex Lackamore. These guys are ridiculously talented, but they're also really good people. Mm. So they only like hiring 
good people. I mean, you have to be talented. Sounds smart. Yeah. But <laughs> they really sure. rarely hire bad apples. Uh, you know, personality is a big thing. And so the environment that surrounds Hamilton is amazing. You know, they do things like uh, promote from, from within. Yeah. So a guy who maybe is an understudy, understudies four roles, will get moved up into the role of, uh, you know, that one of the roles that he understudies. Our, our Washington right now, Darnell Abraham, he was one of the standbys. And they moved, when our, when our Washington, Isaiah Johnson left, our original Washington, they moved Darnell up. Most producers would say, well, no, it's easier to just to find somebody to, to, to fill in that one role because to replace the understudy who knows four roles, mm. that's a lot of rehearsal time. It's, it's, it's actually more dollars to, to replace an understudy. So usually, or back in the day, they would always just replace the role. And keep the understudy, because that's you know oh, that's interesting. that's a harder that's yeah. a harder person to find. But it's not allowing that person to grow, right? And exactly, they value that, and oh, they value that here. They really do. And uh, even in the, in our company, both our Angelica right mm. now, and our George Washington were standbys. They got moved up, and so they they found other uh, other standbys who are now feverishly learning three <laughs> roles in Hamilton or four in some cases. And let me tell you, this show. Is a lot of words. Yeah, it so is. So imagine learning one role like sure. Hamilton, but then we have guys that do Hamilton and Burr and George Washington. I mean, yeah, it's, it's incredible the amount of giftedness and talent ooh. that is required. And you said, you said that, yeah, you need to have gifts and talents, but there's also something to be said about the relationships that you don't want people who are jerks, honestly, right? It's like, like Without they might be super uber talented, but if they're not someone that's easy to be behind stage and deal with all the behind the scenes stuff. Like yeah. it's not worth it. And they want you to stick around. Yeah. They make it possible so that you stay with the company. You know, we're not really a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a destination. Oh, interesting. For actors. Interesting. Yeah. Say it, more it, about it, that. Do they think like, like for like to bounce people around once it leaves San Francisco, like the idea would be to join another tour or something? Well, they do do that to keep people happy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, we, we have one of our swings went on um, to do, uh, she joined the Philip tour. Our Peggy Mariah that was here also joined the Philip tour. Um, we have our new Lafayette, the guy that replaced Simon as Lafayette Jefferson. He was in Chicago doing the Chicago company. Now he's with us. Okay. So they've done some move, moving around. And basically it's a way to make things fresh for, for that actor and keep them in, in the company and, mm. and, and, and keep them happy. Mm. It's, it's really smart. It's mm-hmm. really smart. And they're, they're great that way, uh, our producers. You know, they, they're, they're extremely generous and, and, and extremely accommodating. Our, our, our Aaron Burr, uh, that has been with us since the beginning, Donald Weber, uh, got an opportunity to do a new, pl- a new musical. I heard that, right? For at, just a few weeks or a month? Or what was a couple that? months. Oh, a couple months. Yeah, at the Signature Theater in D.C. And uh, it's a, a new pl- uh, musical called Gun and Powder. And apparently it's gotten, getting great reviews. But he just needed these two months to, to do this new piece. And the producer said, Absolutely. Go do it. That's cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get the guy that's the, they closed the Chicago company mm-hmm. in January, and they said we'll get, the, we'll get. They offered it to the guy in Chicago to come and do a couple of months here in San Francisco. And, and Akron, our, our current Burr, said absolutely, and he's wonderful. He, we plugged him right in, and 
everybody's happy. I really dig that. I want to like, speak into that a little bit because mm-hmm. in creative communities, even just in jobs, if you find yourself being in a place where your supervisors or fellow colleagues don't recognize that you want to grow or that there's maybe other things that you're good at or want to do, but they'd rather just kind of pigeonhole you. I think that's a sign to like to leave. I've been a part of, uh, I volunteered with another creative group before and I felt like I wanted to do more leadership and expression and I wanted to be a part of the main storytelling, you know, bit and piece of that, but I wasn't able to get my foot in the door and I felt like, why am I here? Like, I just, you know, if they don't recognize that, I got to go and branch out and do my own thing. That's why Brave Maker exists, partly because I needed to do that. You know, I I, I just see it all the time in in companies. You know, a lot of companies, it's all about the bottom line and they don't take care of their people and they have this incredible turnover. And sometimes sometimes they wonder why things aren't going great. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just look at companies like Patagonia, you know, where they take care of their employees and, and, and they go the extra mile. And those people stick around. That's right. And, yeah. they give them, and, and they give them that extra bit. You know, uh, Hamilton, whenever they ask me to do any kind of press, I'm like, absolutely. Which, thank you. <laughs> no, but, but, but exactly. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. But I'm here willingly and, yeah. and, 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 and because I know that press means that people come see the show. Mm-hmm. And the more people come see the show is job security for me. It makes sense. Right. You know, and they, they are so generous and they treat me so well. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? If That's I didn't great. like my job, if I didn't like my, my employers, I probably would say, eh, forget about it. Uh-huh. I'll just show up to work and get my check. That's good. But that's not the case here. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, so tell us something that people don't know about Hamilton, like kind of something fun that you have you know, discovered as well, you've been doing it for so long. I, I do a lot of backstage tours, and um, one of the th- and I'm a big history buff. And actually, my brother-in-law in in New York does uh, Revolutionary War walking tours. Oh wow! Yeah, How he's perfect. A, he's yes. amazing. He's amazing. He actually does a Hamilton tour. His his name is Fred Cookenham, and and he um, in depth walking tours is his business. Uh, I'm giving him a little plug. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Okay? Oh, please do because, <laughs> because his walking tours are awesome. Uh-huh. He does one uh, Revolutionary one up in Washington Heights. Takes you to the Morris Jamel Mansion where Aaron Burr actually lived there for a bit, and that's where Washington was stationed before he got run out. You know that. Uh-huh early part of the war, you know, uh, the, 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 the British army came in and, and the Hessian mercenaries and just, you know, Washington and his army had a, had a row across the Hudson river to, to, to not get caught, but he was staying at the Morris Jamel. Um, but, uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> um, um, my, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he, he also, he, he, he took, a few members of the of the cast of the Hamilton cast that I invited to do a, a Hamilton tour downtown, and uh, it, it was freezing. But we got to you know walk you know where King's College was down in in in, in um, and and he told me a bunch of, a bunch of really cool things. And while I was in rehearsal, being the king, I have a lot of free time, so I figured out cool things like. The $30 that Mariah Reynolds receives from Hamilton, he's the woman that he has an mm-hmm, affair with. Mm-hmm. And she asks him for money, and he gives her $30. Well, I looked it up, and $30 with inflation and, and, and time would be $500 right now. Oh, interesting. Which is a nice yeah. chunk of change that he has lying around. Sure, um, sure. You know, um, well, the other thing that I like to point out that I also uh, researched was du- duels. Before uh, handguns, it was uh, blades, swords. right? Swords, oh, okay. uh-huh. and they were and they they were very deadly. Uh, du- duels with with swords was very deadly. When we went into guns, they were extremely um, unreliable and mm. inaccurate. So the 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 
the death rate went way down for those duels. It went down to like 18%. Your chance of dying in a gun duel was like 18%, which means, you know, usually people missed or if, uh-huh. if they even got to the duel part, because usually you try to negotiate to not duel. But if which you they did, talk about in Hamilton. Right, in the right. Show. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but if they did duel, it was, chances are they miss or they get a flesh wound. Very rarely would somebody die from a duel. So the fact that both his son, Philip, and Hamilton mm. died, I mean... They were what, in that w- small percent. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, which is why Hamilton was a little bit cavalier about, hey, oh, take my gun, son, you yeah. know, to give him the guns. So that, that's a cool little uh, bit of history. So do you know where the percentage is higher with swords? Why? No, were they were they higher with swords? Before? Oh, absolutely, they were. Oh, yeah, oh, it was like in the in ninety percent range. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. yeah. Have you watched the Irishman on on Netflix? Uh huh. Do you know that that quote where? Um, um, what do you paint houses? No, no, no. yeah, you know he says um, you should charge somebody with uh, a gun, but run, run from, from a, a knife. knife. Yes. Wow, that makes super sense. Absolutely. Doesn't it? How Absolutely. interesting! Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to point out, and and it was um. The Winter's Ball in the show. When I first saw the show, I was like, wait a minute, they're in the middle of a war. Why are they having a ball? It makes no sense. Well, back then, it was too darn cold in the winter. They'd take off in the winter. Everybody would say, time out. The British would go back to England. The Americans would go back to their cities. And literally, the, the war would stop during the winter months. And, that's, and they still do that in Afghanistan. The, the Taliban goes away in the winter, and then they mount what's called the the spring offensive. Mm. So back in those days, not just the Revolutionary War, which lasted seven odd years, uh, most wars, if it was too cold, people would stop fighting. I think it uh, it may be perhaps the first war and the second war were the first wars where people would fight through through the winter. And that's a history lesson from Rick Negron, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you got a good voice. Listening to your voice, I know oh, you do thanks. voiceover work, too. You I got do, that good voice. Oh, thanks. It reminds me of, like, Casey Kasem back in the day hey, or something like you know, that. I've heard that before. It's really Stay good. Stay tuned for Casey now. <laughs> well, I want to thank uh, the Hamilton cast, and I got Scott Walton over here, who does communications for the Orphan here, for letting us have time with you. I know you got to go to a show tonight. Publicist. Yes. That's right. Uh, where can people find you on all the socials if they want to connect oh, with you? Oh, so um, I am... the the uh, I'm at one st first Puerto Rican King on Instagram, and I'm actually started a new uh, a little uh, IGTV series called Intermission Interviews. Oh, where nice! I, where I interview fellow castmates during the intermission. It's a fun little like one two minute interviews with castmates, and they pick a question out of a hat. Questions that we get from like people, sure. at, you know, the when we sign autographs, you know, the silly questions. What's your favorite song? Or well, you know, how, how do you deal with nerves on stage? You know, cool things like that. So that's happening uh, on my Instagram uh, at one. ST first Puerto Rican King. That um, is great. We're going to put that link in the show notes. That's actually very valuable. That's like gold. People are going to dig that. My oh, wife yeah. is going to love that. I just started the interviews. I've got maybe okay. like six or so, and, and I'm, I'm going to keep tossing them out as I, as awesome. I get them. And then on on, uh, on Twitter, you know, I've got a, a burgeoning Twitter following. I just really started it with Hamilton. And uh, that's uh, Rick Negron 3. Okay, uh, cool. At Rick Negron 3. We'll put all those out. We'll tweet and get this link out so you can share <laughs> with your followers. Thanks. And if you can, I'd love to know what, um, when you're doing your little interviews, what places do the cast like to eat in San Francisco? Insert that. I want to hear some. Oh, you want to hear some 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 some, some recommendations? Restaurant, yeah. restaurant recommendations in San yeah. Francisco. Where are we they have eating? Where are they liking? That kind of thing. Anything cool. they want to shout out about San Francisco? We will do that. Rick, you've been great. Hey, thank my you pleasure. so much. Thank You'll be you. back one day. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe. 
give us a rating and share with a friend. BraveMaker is a 501c3 non-profit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at BraveMaker, Inc. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.